Oh, you guys can hear me now, can you? Hey, something new tonight that maybe you didn't recognize when you came in. We've got a lot of Bibles up here. So if you didn't bring your Bible and you want one, they're right here. You're welcome to use those as we go through the scriptures together. We also have clipboards and pens if you want those to take notes. If someone, a couple people could help me pass these out, that would be awesome. These are the notes for tonight. Anybody want a clipboard? Or Bible. Hey, if you don't want it right now, you can come anytime while I start talking. I don't mind. Feel free to come up and help yourself. Oh, okay. So we have these Bibles. And if you open them up, there's a remnant sticker in there. <laughs> How about that? So listen, we want to make sure that um, we want to do everything we can to set you up for success because the more you're in the Bible, the more successful you're going to be. And that's what this series is all about, right? We want you to be rooted and built up in Him. And so today we're continuing our message series, Rooted, as we study through the book of Colossians together, verse by verse. Now we kicked off this series by going through the first 12 verses of chapter 1, where Paul gave us seven characteristics of an alive and healthy church. And then in week 2, we went over verses 13 and 14, and we learned how Jesus rescued us by purchasing our freedom with his blood. And this week, Paul smacks the heresy head-on of Jesus being anything less than God. I love how strongly and how plainly Paul defends the author and perfecter of our faith. Now, I've titled this message, He is First. Jesus is first in everything. Now, depending upon your Bible translation, you're going to see words in our text like supreme, preeminent, or firstborn. These words all mean he is first. There is nothing and there is no one greater than Jesus. He is first. And that means he should be first in our lives. He should have the highest priority in our lives. He deserves our highest praise and our greatest thanks for all he has done for us. Now, as we've said, Paul's purpose in writing the book of Colossians was to combat the heresies that had began to creep up in the Colossian church. And this kind of heresy, it was all an attempt to attack the very foundation of our faith, and that's Jesus himself. This is why Paul uses str such strong language in our text today to combat this heresy. Now, heresy is extremely dangerous. It's, not very, it's often not very obvious, and it usually starts very subtly, because that's how our enemy works. He's a deceiver, and to get people to buy his lies... He will often use truth, but it's never the whole truth. Paul doesn't dance around the truth in our text for today. He uses some of the strongest language ever written on who Jesus is. So we're going to be in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20 today. Anybody else want a Bible? i got plenty of them up here. All right, so we're going to be in Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. And it says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him 
and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Now, there's a ton of stuff packed in these verses tonight. We're just going to start, we're going to jump right in. We're going to start with verse 15. It says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. The visible image of the invisible God. Now, the word image in the Greek is icon, and it's where we get the English word icon. It means copy, likeness, or representation. Jesus is the exact representation of God. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 says, Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his nature. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says, He is the exact likeness of God. And John chapter 1, verse 18 says, No one has ever seen God. The one and only Son, who is himself God and is at the Father's side, he has revealed him. Jesus reveals who God is because he is both the exact representation of God and he's the physical manifestation of God in the flesh. All of the characteristics of God can be found in Jesus. So if we want to know God, we need to know Jesus. Now when Philip, one of Jesus' disciples, said to Jesus, show us the Father, Jesus said to him in John 14, 9, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Because Jesus is the visible image, the exact representation of the invisible God. So when we see Jesus, we see God. Now, you and I were made in his image. Genesis tells us that, that we were made in his image. So the real question is this. Is Jesus visible in us? Is he visible in us? When people see us, do they see him? We don't need the world to see us. We need the world to see him. What kind of image are we reflecting? Is it compelling? Is it contagious? Is it loving? Is it forgiving? This really matters. What people see in us matters more than what they hear from us. And we can say whatever we want. But if people can't reconcile what they hear from us with what they see in us, it's not going to matter at all. Do they see joy? Do they see peace? Do they see love? People need to see Jesus in you before they can hear Jesus from you. Our greatest testimony is not so much in what we say, it's in what we do. So we have to understand that if we're going to share Jesus, then we're going to have to show Jesus. That's what being a follower of his is all about. Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. God is visible in Jesus. Is he visible in you? Now, in the last part of verse 15 of our text, it says, He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. Other translations say it like this. He is the firstborn of all creation. 
Now, the Greek word for firstborn, it can refer to someone who is first chronologically, but most often it refers to being first by position or rank. And we know by what Paul is writing in this text that he doesn't mean Jesus was literally the firstborn of all creation because we know that couldn't even be true. There were lots of people who were born before Jesus was born. And we also know that Paul was writing this letter to the Colossians to combat the heresy that was creeping up into the church that Jesus was not, was not the Son of God. So if Paul was teaching that Jesus was a created being, which is what the heresy was subscribing to, then he would have been agreeing with the very heresy that he was writing about. So it's impossible for Jesus to be both the created and the creator. Also, our text clearly stated that he existed before anything else. So Jesus is the firstborn over all creation because he is supreme over all creation. He holds the highest rank of everything. It's why in scripture you see him referred to as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Because there is no one greater. There is no one higher. Now, that word all that you see there at the end of verse 15, you're going to see that several times tonight. And if it's not the word all, you're going to see the word everything. Because Paul is making the point that nothing is higher in authority and nothing is higher in all priority in all of creation than Jesus. Jesus is supreme over all creation because he is the creator of all things. Now, in verse 16, it says, For through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. God made everything in, on earth and in heaven. He made the things we can see. He made all the things that we can't even see. And he did all of that through Jesus. We know this because we can see in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. Jesus was with God at the very beginning because Jesus is God. It was through him that everything was made. God reveals himself through his spoken word and through Jesus. And I want you to notice. Notice how strongly Paul finishes verse 16. He says, everything was created through him and for him. This is incredibly significant. We were made for him. We weren't made for ourselves. We were made for him. That means our purpose in life doesn't come from anyone except from him. In Isaiah 43, 7, it's clear that God made us for his glory. So do our lives glorify him? Unfortunately, we live in a, such a selfie, selfish, and self-centered world where everything appears to revolve around us. What makes us happy? What makes us fulfilled? We have to stop making life about us and start making life about Him. Everything was created through Him and for Him. We were not made for our glory. We were made for His. Now, I love how John the Baptist put this. When his followers came to him, they were all upset because the people started going to Jesus instead of coming to him. 
And they were freaking out about it because the crowds around John the Baptist were getting smaller while the crowds around Jesus were getting bigger. But this is how John the Baptist responded. He said this in John chapter 3, verse 30. He said, He must increase and I must decrease. He understood that it wasn't about him, it was all about Jesus. John's entire ministry was to point people to Jesus. Now, we must be willing to decrease. We've got to be willing to decrease so that all the glory and all the praise goes to Jesus because everything was created through him and for him. Now, Paul reiterates again in verse 17 that Jesus existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Jesus holds everything together. He is what keeps everything going in life. If the sun were too close to the earth, we would all burn up. If the sun were too far away, we'd all freeze to death. Jesus holds all of life together through his word. Every breath that we take is a gift from him. Paul continues his defense of Jesus in verse 18. He says, Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. He is first in everything. He is first. Is he first in your life? Now, we've already established that there is nothing and there is no one greater than Jesus. He deserves to be first in our lives. But is he really? I mean, if you stop and think about it, is he really first in our lives? Does he hold the highest priority in our lives? The Bible says that we are to love him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. That word all is pretty encompassing. So is he first in our lives? Does he hold first place in our hearts? Or is he one of many things that compete for affection in our hearts? The truth is, he must be first. He's either first or he's nothing. He will not accept anything less than being first. Now, can you imagine if I said to my wife, honey, you're the first woman on my list of women. Can you imagine? She wouldn't have any of that. She's either going to be the only one on that list or she's not going to be on the list at all. And the same is true in our relationship with Jesus. He must be first. Nothing else can ever compete with him because nothing else can ever compare to him. So let me ask this. Do we begin our day with him? Spending time in his word and in, with prayer? And if you don't, why not? You know, I often hear it's because I don't have time. I've discipled a lot of guys, and that's a very common, uh, that's a very common thing that I get said back to me is, you know, Ian, I just don't have time. Listen, here's my answer to that. We make time for what is a priority in our lives. We do. Is he our priority? Now, what kind of relationship would we have with someone if we didn't spend time with them or we didn't even speak to them? Yet that's exactly how many people who call themselves Christians actually live their lives every day. There's very little communication in prayer. There's very little getting to know him through his word. You know, that's how we get to know him is through his word. It's all about having a relationship with him. And if I'm not in his word, I can't get to know him. 
So let me ask also this. What about when things aren't going our way? Is Jesus the first person that we turn to? If he's not, why not? I ask the same question, why not? Jesus is the only one that no matter what the challenge is in our lives, he understands it, he can provide for it, he can heal it, he can restore it, because he is able. There is no one greater. So why is he often not the first person that we turn to when we're facing a challenging situation in our lives? Why is that? You know, we can go to our spouse, we can go to our best friend, we can even turn to ourselves to try to fix our own problems many times, and yet we don't go to our Heavenly Father who has all the answers to fix it. You know, our text tells us He is first in everything. So, is He first in our family? Is He first in our finances? Is He first in our thought life? Is he first in what we allow ourselves to watch or what we allow ourselves to listen to? He sees everything we do. He sees everything we think. Even the things that we may think are secret, he knows them. He sees them. Some of us may try to compartmentalize our lives, and we may only allow God to influence us in parts of our lives instead of all of it. And you know, God deserves to be in every part of our lives. He doesn't want just part of us. He wants all of us. And he deserves all of us because he is first. Now in verse 19, Paul says, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. By this statement, Paul was directly refuting the heresy that said Jesus could not be both human and and divine at the same time. All of God's attributes are revealed in Jesus. And Paul says it again in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, when he says, In Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. Jesus is God in bodily form. He was fully God, and he was fully man. Now in Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 6, it says this, Though he was, he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Why would Jesus give up his divine privileges and humble himself being born as a man? Why would he do that? You know, Paul tells us why in the very last verse of our text tonight. It's in Colossians chapter 1, verse 20. Here's why. It says, and through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. That's why he did it. It was the only way to redeem mankind. It was the only way to save us from our sins. It was the only way to make peace with everything in heaven and on earth. He was the perfect sacrifice. 
You see, Jesus didn't just sit there in heaven as God and shout his love to us. No, he showed us his love by sacrificing himself and for dying on the cross for our sins. He didn't shout it, he showed it. That is real love. And that's worth putting him first, now and forevermore. Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. He is the exact representation of God. That means God is absolutely and completely visible in Jesus. Now, since we are made in his image, the question is, is Jesus visible in us? People need to see Jesus in you before they can hear Jesus from you. So if we're going to share Jesus, we've got to show Jesus. Everything was created through him and for him. We were made for him. We've got to stop making life about us and start making life about him. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Jesus. He gave up his divine privileges, humbled himself, was born as a human, died on a cross so that we could be reconciled to him. Jesus is first in everything. Is he first in your life? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are first. Help us, Jesus, to put you first, where you belong. Your word reminds us that there is nothing greater than you. And one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess who you are. Believer, unbeliever, those in heaven, those in hell, every knee is going to bow. We pray, Jesus, for those that are here right now, that they would make you first. Perhaps there are things uh, in our lives, Jesus, that we recognize that we're holding on to and that are taking the place of you. They're taking a higher priority in you. So I just pray right now, Lord God, that you would stir our hearts and remind us that everything starts and ends with you. There's no higher priority. And we thank you for you giving up your divine privileges and becoming born as a man and walking on this earth and dying for our sins. So some of you may be here today and you may be wondering, how do I put him first in my life? And if that's you and you recognize that there are things that are uh, you're putting a higher priority on than him, but you want to set that straight tonight, if that's you to slip up your hand, I'll pray for you tonight. Anyone? Thank you. Anyone else have something, thank you, that they've got that's in the way of Jesus being first? Father, I pray for those who have slipped up their hand and said, you know, I want to put you first right where you belong. Jesus, would you comfort them? Would you strengthen them? Would you help them to see that you are first? And that by doing that, that they are humbling themselves and saying, yes, I want you to be Lord of everything and I'm not holding anything back. Jesus, I pray that you would do that for them now. Others of you may be here and you recognize, you know, I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life, but I want to do that tonight. Anyone here want to start that relationship with Jesus? You know who he is, but you've not really made that commitment to follow him as Lord, but you want to do that tonight. Anyone here want to do that? Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for this fellowship that we have right here. We thank you for the amazing things that you have been doing in and through your people. We had an amazing service last week, God, and we just lift you on high for all the prayers and the breakthroughs of people just speaking what was on their heart, knowing that they need prayer. And Lord, you've answered prayer in so many ways that 
It's amazing. We look at what just happened with Roy and with his boss paying his rent all the way through December. Praise God that you did that through him. You get the glory for that. And so, Jesus, we thank you for answered prayer, and I know many of us are continuing to pray that you will provide a building for us and soon. And so we trust, Jesus, that you know the perfect place and the perfect time. And we just ask, Lord God, that you'd be with us, that you'd encourage us, help us to be salt and light, as we're called to do, to everyone we come in contact with. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, thank you, guys. You got more dessert for you. Help yourself. Yeah, thank you.